Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us across the uh, great radio partnership that we have with the OutKick network. If you're watching online, welcome in. We hope you'll subscribe and share the link, whether you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, just search out OutKick 360 and always check out the podcast wherever you download your audio. Chiefs hosting the Chargers tonight at Arrowhead. Thursday night football kickoff just after 7.15 p.m. Central in the AFC West matchup. New transfer portal rules are being implemented. So the NCAA has told schools to withdraw recent transfer uh, transfer portal entries that took place um, after August 31st. So if they've had a player that has since requested to enter the portal, they've been told that, hey, we're, we're going to have a resolution to this. The NCAA informed schools to withdraw fall sport portal entries, including football that have been created since the board of directors approved the portal windows on August 31st. So now you're going to have a, a window of time to do this instead of a 12-month free-for-all. Yeah, I saw this recently in a story. I think it was an Oklahoma player that I just happened to see a headline that said, uh, ex-player withdraws, entered transfer portal last week, withdraws name from transfer, transfer portal this week. And I'm thinking, well, that's weird. Um, and this, I think this new rule and just people being alert to the different windows of being able to transfer is part of it. It's also a good rule because, quite frankly, it protects kids against themselves because they get upset over one game, over one practice, over not getting enough playing time in a game, mm-hmm. and they fire off and go, well, I'm just going to go enter the transfer portal. And this just says you can do it the day the season ends. You know, it's almost like a... Um, you're locked in. The cool-down period in the NFL. Yeah. Right? Okay, you're upset. You get a you get a 15-minute cool-down, 30-minute, whatever. Then you go meet the press, and you talk about what just ha- happened. You can process it. This is a good thing because it also... Look, you made a commitment to a team. That team made a commitment to you for the year. So you're in the program for the season. In two months, if you're that unhappy, leave. You can still do that. There's still free agency once the season ends, but hopefully this will stop the players that get mad one week and decide, uh, Butte for LSU. Yeah. You know, all the, the rumors rumor. that yep. because he took some of the LSU stuff off his page, oh, he's going to jump right to the portal. Well, this will prevent that. Coaches were in there too monitoring it, right? It was a year-round monitoring situation. So I'm looking at it from that end and saying – you know, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that this is a year-round thing. There are some uh, limits to recruiting even, right, where you don't have to do it, I don't imagine, every single day of the year on top of managing a team during a season when you have games. And I think as as much as 
they get paid and as much as they deserve to work, you know, ridiculous hours and everything. Some of this stuff should be compartmentalized and move to certain periods of the year where at least for a couple months, you don't have to worry about these elements of your job yeah. on top of kickoffs. Well, and it feels like, it, you know, if you could even reduce it down to like a month, month and a half window, even if that was like December, you know, once the regular season ends, it's like, okay, here's the initial batch of transfers. Everyone take who you want, recruit who you want during this time. Then that's over. Then you go into high school recruiting season and you lead up to the second signing day at that point. Or maybe you go through the first signing day and then January is your month to go after transfers. And then you have another late window that's two weeks or a month in the spring after spring football where you can go in and bring other transfers. I'm with you, Paul. And it should not be a year-round thing. And this is not me you know, crying for college coaches that are making a ton of money, but not every college coach, not every assistant makes a ton of money. And it's usually the assistants that are monitoring the transfer portal. Yeah. So I am sympathetic the to them having to figure out what's going on with your roster. So let's shrink the window of time. Even if you're going to have this free agency, which I don't think overall it's going to be great for the sports, good for the, the player for sure. Don't know that it's great for the quality of the sport, but let's shrink that window even well, if we're going to have But that. it's good for the quality of, the, of your team because you can improve greatly year to year if you're bad well, the year prior. It's good for the prospects of your team quickly changing its course. It's not going to be good for every team, though. There will be losers in the transfer portal, too. Sure. Some are going to win. Some are going to lose. Some are going to just win in the transfer but portal. But you lose, you Some are going to just lose. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an even playing field from that standpoint where if you're losing players to the portal, you're allowed to go and gain them. No different than USC, Oklahoma, Ole Miss. I mean... Uh, you lose guys to the draft, Kiffin replaces them to uh, uh, from other teams, from Mississippi State, Arkansas, and, and Oklahoma State, elsewhere. Yeah, and I think it's it's great for you know an Ole Miss and, and Lane Kiffin. They're going to utilize it well. Um, not a football issue, but you're also going to run into situations where great mid-major players, yeah, oh, those yeah. programs are then going to take from smaller mid-majors, and they're not going to gain. <laughs> They're going to lose one of their best players to a Power well, 5 conference school, and then they're going you, to get a lesser player. Well, not, nece not necessarily a lesser player. If you play it right, you get the sixth or seventh man off the bench for that Power 5 school. That's the same quality that Could just be. Left, your, left your team. I witnessed it personally year after year uh, from a mid-major uh, where, where I went to school. So That MTSU and Kermit yeah, Davis. The reverse one and done. Instead of recruiting the one and done freshman, he recruited the one and done senior, had one year of eligibility left that wasn't getting playing time in the Power Five, and he became all-conference uh, player of the year. Every single year was a different guy, but he played for Kermit Davis, and that was the, the method to the madness, and, and that's worked. how you went to the tournament. Yeah. So I, if, you, if, you, if you approach it the right way, Chad, I think there's a way to gain what you lost, but it's a never-ending cycle. That's the problem is you never want to lose what you have. Yeah. So you're having to placate to what is on your roster regardless of sport. And when you lose them, you then have to woo and flirt with the other crop of transfer portal guys who want to come play somewhere where they're going to play. So then you're upsetting someone else by replacing... It's just a, it's a mess in that regard. Whereas the old school way would be you 
show up as a freshman, you redshirt, you spend a year on the bench, you learn the process, you and you your work way your up. way up to the roster. And there's some stability to that. It just doesn't feel like uh, as big of a decision when a player commits to your school. No, <laughs> no, I, absolutely Before not. it was like, you know. I'm uh, with you there. I, I go back to when Peyton Manning decided to go to Tennessee over Ole Miss and in other places, it was a huge deal. Oh, my gosh, Peyton Manning's going to be there for three or four years at this school. Now I see a guy commit, and I'm thinking, well, he may get there and not play right away and transfer immediately. You may forget about this guy's name um, a couple years ago. There was a player playing for Pittsburgh in this game against Tennessee that had two catches in the game that played receiver at Tennessee. Gerard Means. He goes by Bub Means now. He's in like his seventh <laughs> year. He's like 25 years old. And I'm thinking, he's been at two schools, I think, in between from Tennessee okay. to there. And now he's like a six-year senior at Pitt. And I'm like... I don't even. I barely remember the guy at Tennessee. <laughs> I, I kind of remember the name, but point being, you cycle through. Even diehard fans of a school, you can't keep straight who's on your roster and who isn't. That's not good for the sport. Yeah, no, but, that, I agree with you. But there. if you're just looking at it through the myopic view of what's right for the student, for the, for the I'm not going to put student in this because that's a joke for the athlete, mm-hmm. for the young player. Well, yeah, it gives them a lot more choices every single year. You're not locked into anything. Once you decide to go for a school, it's not like the old days where you sign your paperwork and you're going to go to school for four years. No, nope, you're, you're able to move immediately if you don't like the way things are going. So, does this rule, I wonder, this rule would keep um, current staffs from recruiting other players that would enter the portal that are unhappy now based on the window of opportunity. So, it, it, well, it would ta- make it just impossible for him to even be in the portal. Right. So, it takes away the, the, uh, the, the recruiting that's going on during a season to get you to commit as soon as the offseason begins or whatever it might be. Enroll well, I, in your... I think, again, I, this is just me. The behind-the-scenes talk. I'm in. not the NCAA. I'm way smarter than the NCAA. But I see it as a rule to protect the student-athlete from themselves. You need to think through this. You're not going to enter a transfer portal after deciding to play for that team for the season and not leaving the school before the season. You are yeah, locked into a upset. season. Yeah. Don't enter the portal during the season. So it prevents them from doing that. I think it's more about that and less about, oh, well, X coach is going to start hitting the guy up on Instagram DM the moment he's unhappy and trying to convince him to go in the portal and then get him midseason. Because most coaches aren't concerned about the transfer portal midseason. There's not much you can do, right? I mean, you couldn't do it to begin with, just go over to another school, you know, the week of a game and decide to go play for them. So I think it's more about protecting the young players from themselves as opposed to trying to prevent people getting recruited midseason. Which makes sense. It ties into one of our slogans, let's not act rash. Yes. It's important not to act rash. Now, there are moments that dictate you act rash. Other ones, you don't. Yeah, I mean, going back to the origin of the slogan, your acting rash was absolutely the right thing to do. Yes. Though you were instructed not to act rash. But I did. <laughs> I still did. DeAndre Swift did not practice for the second consecutive day with an ankle injury with the Alliance, although he's telling reporters it's no big deal. He's playing. It's just a precautionary where he doesn't want to re-aggravate anything that happened last Sunday where he went off uh, in that game against Philly's defense. I've got three downgrades, Hut, that are bad. Big name downgrades. Okay. Uh, Michael Pittman went from limited with the quad to not practicing. 
Mike Evans went from limited with a calf to not practicing, and Alvin Kamara went from limited with ribs to not practicing. That, that is all a bad trend for three big fantasy names there, one of which I have. So Michael Pittman, Alvin Kamara, and Mike Evans yep. did not practice. All move in the wrong direction. What's our Najee Harris update? I know I he was limited in practice, seen. but it was more of a wait-and-see on Thursday approach for him with the Steelers. I have not seen. Is uh, it a re-aggravation no, no, of not, his foot? Najee Harris was full practice today. Okay, good. He was not yesterday. I know he's limited in practice yesterday. Was that a re-aggravation no, of his no, foot? No, I think this is something, something else. I think it's something else, yeah. but he's he was full practice today for Pittsburgh as they get ready to host the Patriots. So... It, it sounds like he's that's on big for to my play. fantasy team. Alvin Kamara, so that's big. So you have so the Bucks and the Saints are playing this week. So you have Evans who's not practicing and Kamara who's not practicing. The two big offensive weapons for each team and each quarterback. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm stating the obvious here. If you're if you're limited on Wednesday and you don't practice Thursday, you could have aggravated it or they could get you on first and second down work on Wednesday and you say, All right. Uh, we got him for a significant day. We'll give him third down day off and taper him. Friday's not that important, yeah. and we can get him back. Yeah, so it Friday's could be one of the two. Some, Friday, yeah. Friday's walkie anyway. Uh, but oftentimes, if you're going to give that injured veteran the day, you, you give him Wednesday. Um, the extra day off coming yeah, back. Yeah, come, coming back off. And, and then Thursday, he'd do third down. Now, you know, Kamara's more of a third down, you know, more of a, a linchpin third down guy. Evans is a every down guy if you've got him, obviously. So that's the Bucks, reading a yes, lot. Yesterday missed five lot. of their seven guys in some capacity in practice, five of their seven receivers. Uh, safety, uh, Jamal Adams for the Seahawks headed to injured reserve, and he's done for the season with Bad. a quad injury. We knew this coming out of the game on Monday. Uh, they made it official today after some second opinions and anything else that they needed to wait on. Uh, he's officially done for the year. One of the top safeties in the league, and they gave up a ton for him, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. If, he's had some injuries too. If if they were going to be a surprise like they were in their opening night, you know, he's got to be a linchpin to it. They're going to be a defensive running team like we've talked about, and uh, they lose the the linchpin to their back end. That that's uh, not good. I've got in front of me the uh, let's see the Bucks report so we could see who else. Um, Evans did not practice. Fournette limited. Gage limited, which is an upgrade. Godwin still out. Julio Jones still out. Perriman still out. So not not a great injury report for the Buccaneers. The Jets, by the way, received Bradley McDougal, uh, first round pick from last year. No, a first-round pick from last year and a first-round pick from 2021 in exchange for Jamal Adams. Yeah, McDougal. Wasn't very good. He wound up passing through the Titans last year when they had a slew of injuries yeah. and safety and didn't didn't stick. So it was just a player to fill a spot while they waited to find out who was else warm, could play safety. A warm body picks, at that position that they just gave up. Were. A great body at that position. Coming up, big NFL storylines. Armando Salguero will join us. We'll go through the, the Thursday night report for tonight with the Chargers and Chiefs. We'll get you ready for kickoff there. We will also look ahead to all things week two across the NFL. Armando Salguero next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on. We're laughing as we come back because we can see Armando Salguero before our audience does, and he always has the best backdrop in yeah, radio, which you can't see in it's radio. One of the, it's one of the best parts of the week is just trying it. to see love it. Armando's backdrop for the first time. Armando Salguero joins us from Outkick.com on Outkick 360. Armando, week one complete. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. We're already starting week two tonight. It's like this season I predict – Here's my prediction. This is going to be the fastest NFL season ever. It's going to be over like that. Uh, I'd like to start here. Who do you trust in the NFC? Three of the four division winners in week one lost. And then we know about the rest of the divisions. Can you tell me right now who you trust among the teams in the National Football Conference? Yeah, there's one. And, uh, you know, it's very close to home. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the reason I trust that team is Mm. because they have the best quarterback in the NFC, maybe in the entire NFL. I know that all the, you know, younger people will say, oh, no, it's Patrick Mahomes. And oh, no, it's Justin Herbert. Yeah, well, Tom Brady led the NFL in passing last year and had more touchdowns than anybody. And... I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again and they play in the NFC and the Rams got issues. The Cowboys got issues. Um, You know, the Green Bay Packers have receiver issues. A lot of teams got issues. And it's overreaction week, right? But in the AFC, you could rattle off several teams, right? Yeah. In the AFC, that's where, look, I think that when we get to the AFC playoffs and the AFC championship game, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like the Super Bowl, you know, because um, really tonight when you have Kansas City and the don't call me San Diego Chargers, (laughs) you know, uh, I look at those two teams and I'm thinking – My gosh, Um, either one of those would be the favorite to win the NFC West. And remember, the Los Angeles Rams are the defending Super Bowl champions, and they play in the NFC West. So Chargers Chiefs, let's talk about it tonight. I noticed you mentioned Mahomes and, and Herbert when you were going through the examples of two guys not as good. As Tom Brady. Both pretty good, though, Armando. What do you think about this matchup tonight on Thursday Night Football in the debut of Amazon Prime Video having Thursday Night Football? Right. So I expect uh, that game to be delivered to my door uh, (laughs) and to be delivered to my door maybe tomorrow uh, and at a discount and obviously, hopefully, with a good return policy because it's Amazon. Now, 
so I wrote today on Outkick, um, Outkick.com, if anyone wants to, you know, go to the brand. Um, Justin Herbert against Patrick Mahomes. That's the NFL's new arms race. Those two guys going at it twice a year, twice a year. It's like Manning and Brady a decade ago. It's like Aikman and uh, Steve Young 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, if you want to go back further, you know, I don't know, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino. It's, you know, Bart Starr and Johnny Unitas. And I recognize that Justin Herbert isn't there yet. He hasn't won a championship. Obviously, Mahomes has. But those two guys are going to be good for a long time. And they're off to great starts right now. The NFL leader in um, touchdown passes is Patrick Mahomes. The NFL leader in quarterback rating is Patrick Mahomes. The guy who is second is Justin Herbert. Those two guys are going to go at it for a long, long time. And I would say to you that they're going to be, you know, outstanding and amazing for a long, long time. Armando Salguero with us. Armando, the um, so Devontae Adams, he's in Vegas, not with the Packers. A.J. Brown's in Philly, not with the Titans. Do you think the Packers and the Titans got back from week one and thought, man, what have we done when you see both of these guys produce for their new teams? So interestingly, uh, as far as the Packers are concerned, you know that I, I really do appreciate um, Aaron Rodgers and what he has done both on and off the field um, for the NFL and the Green Bay Packers. But the fact that Devontae Adams is in Las Vegas is partly, you know, Aaron Rodgers' fault. And the reason I say this is because Aaron Rodgers spent a lot of time at the end of last season and into the offseason talking about retirement and how he was very close and how he could see the end of the tunnel and how it was all something that you know, he wasn't sure even at one point whether he was coming back or not. Well, Devontae Adams, who is on a different career clock, was hearing all of this from his quarterback and decided, and this is not me saying this, this is Devontae Adams saying this. He heard all this and decided, I plan to play a whole lot longer than what Aaron Rodgers plans to play. I need to be in a situation where... I know my quarterback is going to be good and I'm not in a rebuilding situation. I think I'll go to the Las Vegas Raiders or someone of that ilk and get with a good quarterback who's younger and isn't already uh, having one foot in the door of retirement. Armando, what on earth was Nathaniel Hackett thinking at the end of the Monday night football game against Seattle? Yeah, Chad, I, I don't know, man. Uh, whatever he was thinking, he was thinking something else the following morning because he said that given another chance at the same situation, he would have gone for it on fourth and five from you know the 46-yard line rather than attempt a 64-yard field goal. 
And I think that anyone with, you know, any logic whatsoever would say, yeah, you kind of blew it on that. But it wasn't just you kind of blew it. You made a decision that had you not walked it back. I mean, if I'm Russell Wilson, I'd be a little bit peeved about that decision. Because what you're saying to the entire earth is, I trust the kicker more than the quarterback. And the quarterback is making 200 and what is it, $45 million? And the kicker isn't. This is the reason you got the quarterback. This is the reason you gave up two first round picks and two second round picks. So you need to walk it back because if you don't, you have basically, you know, kind of severed your confidence in Russell Wilson. Uh, we shared your doubts about New England heading into the season. How much does them scoring six, uh, seven points uh, in an opening day loss against Miami kind of crystal, crystallize your concerns about them? Um, where do you think it, it, it goes from here? Might it be even wor- worse than, uh, than you were imagining? I, I know it's a one-game snapshot. No, uh, it, it, it's more than one game, Paul, because it's a whole entire offseason and plus one game evidence of the entire offseason. In the entire offseason, they didn't do what was necessary to make sure that their most valuable asset, which was, you know, a, a, a second year quarterback who had a very nice rookie season, uh, make something of a leap in his second year, they did everything to make sure that that doesn't happen. They gave him a new offense. Okay. That's problematic because now instead of taking the next step in the offense, he had, he is learning again. They gave him a new offensive coordinator and play caller. Who's never been an offensive coordinator and play caller. They gave him a quarterback coach. Who's never been a quarterback coach. And And understand, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are good assistant coaches. They were a mess as head coaches, but they're good assistant coaches. But that's not their niche. That's not their expertise. And Bill Belichick, who, you know, has done a lot of curious things in the past that worked, he did some curious things this offseason and into, obviously, the first game that are failing. And predictably may continue to fail. Dolphins beat the Patriots in week one. And Armando, I know you were in uh, Charlotte for the the game for the, the Panthers and Browns, but knowing what you know about the Dolphins, what do you think about the matchup now against Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, knowing that they threw the football around the yard this past week against the Jets and their run game, uh, they trusted their passing offense more than their rushing offense against the Jets, which surprised me. J.K. Dobbins is back to practice, so maybe that changes a bit this week. But how do the Dolphins match up, and what will the football world think if the Dolphins start 2-0? and Yeah, it, it's going to think that everything that they did in the offseason is actually working. I have my doubts, <laughs> okay? Yeah, right. I have my doubts. Um, you know, the Dolphins started 1-0 by beating the Patriots in a low-scoring game last year. And then they lost something like seven in a row after that. Uh, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. 
What I am saying is that this will be a great test for them. And you know that I think that John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I really do. Um, I don't see how anyone can think otherwise. But I think it's good news for the Dolphins that the Ravens are talking about and Lamar Jackson is talking about, well, last year when we played, they zero blitzed us all the time. And we're going to be really ready for the zero blitz this time. We spent a lot of time on the zero blitz. Dude, if I'm the Miami Dolphins and I hear that, I'm thinking, good. I'm glad you spent all this time on the zero blitz. We're not going to do that. We're going to do something else that you didn't spend all this time on and, you know, make your life difficult that way. I, I'm, I, that's one matchup I'm intrigued by, and it's not a part of my picks tomorrow at all because I don't know which way to go on it. Um, it, it feels like, though, and I, we'll end it with this, that Tua and Mac Jones have swapped roles within the last year. Like, if, if I were describing Tua last year, that's how I describe Mac Jones this year with the situation in New England. It's very odd to me, and I think Tua's in a good spot. By the way, uh, we haven't heard much of Tyreek Hill from last week, but he had like nine or ten catches, right? Nearly 100 yards. They got him very involved on purpose. Yeah, um, you know, and they need to yeah, because they're right. paying him $30 million a year, and they need to keep him happy. So there's that. But when you talk about Mac Jones and Tua, I guess I'm in the minority. I think those two guys are pretty much on brand of what Alabama quarterbacks have been. And uh, but that's not elite. That, that's not how we were describing them last year, though. Mac Jones was being compared well, to Brady in November. That not by me. Uh, well, I, I'm just saying consensus. The percept to me, perception's reality. I would describe Mac Jones different than I would Tua at, at you know in around Thanksgiving of last year. Fair. So for the record, I think they're both solid quarterbacks. Is Baker Mayfield a solid quarterback <laughs> after what you saw in Charlotte this Baker, past weekend? Baker Mayfield is troubling to me because he has high, a higher ceiling and a lower floor, and from play to play. From quarter to quarter, from game to game, he hits them both. And that's been his, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's fair. It's like, yeah. in the first half, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. In the second half, he was, you know, he threw a 75 or a 78 yard touchdown pass. It's like, dude, make up your mind. Who are you? And so that's the thing that bugs me about Baker Mayfield. He can be really good and he, he can be not really good. The cow, so the Cowboys lose Dak Prescott um, for a, a series of, of games coming up. We don't know how long. He's not on IR. Mike McCarthy, to me, is a dead man walking. And it's not just because Prescott got hurt. They're the most penalized team last year. This past Sunday night, 10 penalties. Still undisciplined. Offensive line is not good. I mean, the 17 quarterback pressures in Two of them hit their quarterback, where we don't know which one actually hurt the thumb the most. And their depth at wide receiver is lacking, Armando. The, this is not a good combination for Mike McCarthy, where we all know what's on the horizon at head coach. <laughs> and the horizon, I think, is named Sean Payton. Yeah. Um, 
And so therefore I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike McCarthy is coaching his last season with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they're, they have regressed. They have regressed. They were a better team when he took over than they are now. They, something is wrong there. Colts open with the tie against Houston. Now they're going back to the scene of the crime in Jacksonville where everything came apart last year. People have unbelievable faith in Frank Reich, outside of Nashville anyway, uh, and maybe outside of Jacksonville. We're talking to one of them. Yeah. Were you banking on the Colts to come out of their funk in, in Jacksonville? Yeah. I mean, Paul, that the Jacksonville Jaguars have had the first overall pick each of the last two seasons. So banking on their opponent is not exactly uh, being out on a, you know, on a twig. Well, it was was last year against the Colts. Yeah. uh, You know, you're right. And that cost Carson Wentz's job. Look, I I think that, I think that the Colts are going to be okay and they're going to be fine. And one way to get fine is to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is Trevor Lawrence good? <laughs> I'm having a really hard time dissecting his game because I thought it was a no-brainer. This guy's going to be a top five, top ten quarterback in the league. I, I mean, I know we're an Urban Meyer season and one game into his career, but how, how do you assess Trevor Lawrence right now? I thought I think that's a great question, Chad. Is he good? Because I don't know. Nobody knows based on what he's done. And you, 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 you know, outlined all the mitigating circumstances, but I've seen quarterbacks overcome mitigating circumstances, and still, you know, Justin Herbert got his first start when he was told 20 minutes before kickoff, oh, by the way, our starting quarterback punctured a lung or something, you're starting against the Kansas City Chiefs. And he was really good right away, right away his rookie season. Patrick Mahomes was really good as soon as he got in the lineup. It took him a year to get in the lineup, but outstanding immediately. Dan Marino. Really good as soon as he started playing. Jim Kelly, really good. Josh Allen took a long time, okay? I'll give you that. Uh, He was more of a project. Josh Allen didn't play at Clemson. He played at, like, you know. Wyoming. Yeah, somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, That's where. He played in a state where they have actual (laughs) buffaloes, okay? And so – it took him a while, but what I'm saying, my greater point is Trevor Lawrence played in a program and in a conference and against opposition in college that would suggest he would be more plug-and-play ready than, than most quarterbacks, and he wasn't, and he hasn't been in his first outing under Doug Peterson. It's really interesting to me. Urban Meyer took the job because, in part, Trevor Lawrence was going to be the guy. Josh McDaniels would not interview with them. And Trevor Lawrence is there. That, that to me, I, 
McDaniels has been methodical on the last decade on who he talks with and who he doesn't. It's it's more about the organization. I, I suspect, get it. Yeah, it's more about ownership. the organization. But the fact that you have Trevor Lawrence, which is you know Andrew Luck, the the most current example that we have, and he he nearly took that one and then backed out. He wouldn't he wouldn't touch the Jags with Trevor Lawrence. That was in, intriguing to me and. We'll find out. He's got a chance to write the rest of the story. I don't think he's nearly done. And last year, is a, he gets a hall pass for that, um, even though those don't exist in the NFL because of the head coaching situation. Armando, I want to ask you about one other quarterback who played college football in a state that features Buffalo. Uh, that's Trey Lance, who's from North Dakota State. And... Um, <laughs> That granted, again, we're talking about you know extenuating circumstances, terrible weather game in the rain in Chicago, but zero for one as the guy in San Francisco is Trey Lance. Yes, also North Dakota uh, had woolly mammoths once upon a time. Yes, so they did. That, there's that. Yep. So you know, at least they got if, that if going for them. If you play in a state that has currently buffalo <laughs> and used to have woolly mammoths. You're out there. <laughs> it's it's more You're of a learning there. curve for those quarterbacks that played in states with Buffalo. It's a it, you got to expect a steeper learning curve than someone who played at Clemson in the state of South Carolina. And formerly Woolly Mammoths. Don't yes. leave out the form the Woolly Mammoths. So I don't look. Trey Lance is a developmental player. Let's let's just admit that. It's better if everybody accepts that he's a guy that still doesn't have the greatest eye discipline. He's looking to run. He's looking to make plays with his feet, which is a young quarterback, young athletic quarterback thing. And we're we're not going to know, I don't think, by the end of this season what Trey Lance is or is not. Because even though the 49ers insist that they are going to stick with Trey Lance, I find it hard to believe if he continues to play as he has in the preseason and the first game out, even though it wasn't a driving rainstorm, you know, he got outplayed by Justin Fields. And so I continue to believe that a team that is Super Bowl ready, like that team is, and they have Jimmy Garoppolo who helped them to get to a Super Bowl and helped them to get to an NFC championship game. The temptation is too strong to just keep that possibility on the bench while you struggle and, and, and have a rough time. The players won't let the coaching staff do it. They will demand the better player play. I'm, I'm smiling because you say Justin Fields outplay, outplayed it. The majority of our audience probably didn't get to see this game. That's saying something because Justin Fields was awful yes. in this game. And he still outplayed Trey Lance. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, final thing: Are the Bengals actually are they actually interested in protecting their franchise quarterback? He's he sacked 70 times last year, including the playoffs. He sacked seven times in Week One. More great uh, questions from from you guys because here's the thing: uh, seven sacks in the Super Bowl do all this work in the offseason to improve the offensive line, first time out, seven more sacks, the, the, the very next game, okay, which was the opener. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, eventually, that starts to take a toll. Maybe not right now, 
maybe not even this season, but Joe Burrow is not going to be 25 years old forever. And eventually someone will get a free shot at him or someone will fall into his knees or someone will do something and land you know, on yeah. him and the shoulder. You're playing with fire. He is the face of the franchise, the future of the franchise. If he goes, you got nothing. And they are just I, – I, they've got a guard starting at left tackle. Their right tackle, Lel Collins, played poorly. Their left guard is a sixth-round pick or a fourth-round pick. Uh, the guy that they picked in the second round last year to, to play that position is a backup. And so there, there are issues. And there's a reason why Ted Karras has been on – now this is his third team in three years, and he's their starting center. Where are you headed this weekend? I'm headed to the Salguero Homestead. I'm going to spend it here. And uh, next week I will be Tom Brady against uh, Aaron Rodgers in Tampa. Nice. Doesn't get much better than that. Not Armando Salguero. Uh, Outkick.com has got you covered on all of the headlines across the NFL. Thank you as always. We look forward to this each week. Watch out for woolly mammoths. <laughs> and buffalo. <laughs> yep, no buffalo in that game in Tampa. That's good news for you. That's right. That's true. That's why he's going. Armando Salguero, Outkick.com, with us each and every Thursday. Love having him a, a part of the show. Paul, coming up, speaking of Outkick, uh, your column about some roofs and stadiums and future domes across the league. I, I'm going to tell you guys why I think 30 years from now, Outdoor NFL football could be a much more rare event. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We should get some clarity soon, very soon, on the Titans stadium plans. Buffalo talking about that as well. The two meet up on Monday night. And as Outkick 360 rolls on, you can go to Outkick.com. That's where you can read Paul Kuharski's column on the future of stadiums and outdoor venues that we have always thought as outdoor cities may not be the case moving forward. So multi-purpose stadium used to stink, right? Because it served two things poorly, baseball and football. But now um, Nashville's new building is going to be indoor. Why? Because the state says, hey, we'll give you $500 million towards this if you make sure it's indoor. And then it'll be a year-round building for us. We'll get WrestleMania We'll get multiple Super Bowls. We'll, we'll have year-round concerts. Yeah. And this will be a centerpiece for the city, not just for football, but for everything. Chicago's doing the same thing. They're going to go to Arlington Heights. <clears throat> they're going to have an indoor building. They'll do the same thing, and that's part of the appeal. But also, they're going to have a village, and it's going to be like Truist Park for, for Atlanta. So that's a little bit different. 
my thinking is if Chicago and Nashville both do this and pull this off on this scope, I think that's going to become the trend. And it's a multi-purpose building, not a football baseball building, but a football everything else building. And look, uh, the Bills are staying outside. They're building a new stadium, right? I think the Steelers will stay outside. I think the Jets and Giants probably stay outside. I think the Crafts will stay outside. But in the next 30-year cycle of new buildings, when uh, I think seven of the last 13 or eight of the last 13 have been indoor, Arrowhead discussed being domed in the 80s. I think if Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, or Washington had a chance at some public financing to do this, they would do it if Chicago was a success. I think Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Carolina could see a model in Nashville. I think Seattle and San Francisco could. I don't think everybody does it, but I think 30 years from now, outdoor football could be more of a treat and indoor football could be more of a regular thing. And that breaks my heart. And I think you're spot on with the civic responsibility part of this, that we're going to see more of this. And you're right that this is not the veteran stadium, multi-purpose stadium, right? Back in the day. Yeah, it could still be a beautiful football venue. Not Oakland where it's a a full-time baseball, full-time football tenant. It's one full-time tenant being an NFL team and then a bunch of rotating events that will be coming through the venue as well. But not... I don't think it's as bad as the full-time baseball, no, full-time it's great. football. Final four venues. But no outdoor football or very little outdoor football is not a good thing. And it how, gives college a leg up. How many yep. domes though does it take before it's not valuable anymore right, to buy it? Right, because WrestleMania is so thinned out. Yeah, because everything's everywhere. It's a good, good question. It's a good column, and a good yeah. question to ask and ponder for the future for of sure. these stadiums. Coming up, at least one big thing on every NFL game for week two. We've got that for you next on Outkick 360.